Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version. I am host Maria Leonard Olson. I am a civil litigator in the Washington, D.C. area, a podcaster, radio show host, mentor to women who are facing addiction issues or the blowback from having been sexually assaulted or abused. I have as my mission a desire to pay it forward and to share my experiences so that others don't feel so alone. You can check out my TEDx talk called Using Life's Challenges as a Force for Good that is very self-revelatory about all of these things that I kept secret for most of my life. I have the distinct pleasure of getting to know some amazing women in the work that I do. I was featured on one of my favorite podcasts, which is called Moms And, by these two dynamic women located in the Austin, Texas area. These women, Missy Stevens and Suzanne Kearns, bring humor, light, optimism, and a, slay, a slew of interesting mothers who are more than just identifying as moms, who go out and do some fantastic things in the world. Suzanne Kearns is a podcaster and humor writer. She lives in Austin, Texas with her husband and two children. Her work has been featured in Scary Mommy, Red Book, Today Parents, and several parenting anthologies, including the New York Times best-selling series called I Just Want to Pee Alone. <laughs> she co-produced and performed in the Listen to Your Mother show in Austin. She's currently writing her first nonfiction book to help other women to deal with the identity crisis that can come with giving up your career to become a stay-at-home mom. She co-hosts the Moms and podcast with Missy Stevens, which also focuses on helping moms define themselves outside of the title mom. In 2017, she started something called Informed Parents of Austin to advocate for LGBTQIA plus students, families, and staff in her school district. God knows Texas needs this. Oh, yeah. uh, Missy Stevens is a writer, foster child advocate, and podcaster. Her past life includes stints as a corporate community relations manager and nonprofit communications writer. These days, Missy is an inspiring novelist, slowly working on endless revisions of her first manuscript, which I can't wait till it is birthed and out in the world because I just love these women. Her work has been featured in local and national online publications, as well as in the stage production called Listen to Your Mother. If only. I mean, that's my editorial edition. <laughs> yeah. Missy, a native Austinite, lives with her husband, two sons, two dogs, and too many plants. Just kidding. There's no such thing as too many plants, Missy likes to say. So do yourself a favor and listen and subscribe to and review the Moms and dot 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 podcast and learn more about their fantastic work at Mom and podcast.com. You need not write this down. It is all in the show notes. 
And uh, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome Missy Stevens and Suzanne Kearns to the Becoming Your Best Version podcast. Welcome. Hi, so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I just laugh out loud when I listen to your podcast. Can you tell our listeners, how did you two, who appear to be best friends, come up with the idea and start this fantastic podcast? Suzanne, I'm going to let you take that since it's your initial, it was your brainchild to start with. Oh, well, you know, I think both Missy and I come from a professional background and left our jobs to become stay-at-home parents when our kids were littles and kind of went, at least I'm speaking for myself, I remember my daughter's first day of kindergarten and my husband said, welcome to the first day of the rest of your life. And this idea of that, you know, now that the kids are going to school, it means I'm going to have all this free time. And so I think that a lot of moms are like us, where we think that there's these milestones, whether it be kindergarten or now my daughter's going off to college, like where are all these appropriate times or the socially expected times when you are supposed to go back to work if you've been a stay at home mom. Uh, but more and more, we have found that there's a lot of moms that feel like we do, where our value, our understanding of what we want to do with our lives has all kind of become scrambled up mess in the time that we've been at home, whether that's three years or 17 years now, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> and we've done, we've done some work off and on throughout the years, but hasn't, have not jumped fully back into the career force. So, you know, we learned so much about this. I'm writing a book about this whole idea of like, what can we do when we're at home? Yeah. I hate to compare us to cars, but basically to maintain our resale value and also, and also maintain our sanity at the same time. And I'm reading all these amazing books and learning all this stuff. And I'm sure you're aware that putting together a book takes forever and then publishing it can take forever. And I'm like, this can't wait. Like I want people to be learning yes. while I'm learning. And so podcasts just seem to like a nice way to, you know, we can interview these amazing authors, these amazing moms doing cool things, inspire listeners. Um, and at the same time, be, you know, learning for ourselves. We are works in process. <laughs> so That is true. And how I about always, you, Missy? I'm sorry. Go on. Oh, no, I was going to say, and I always told Missy just every once in a while, I would just send her a drunk tweet, like even years ago, like if I ever do a <laughs> podcast, you're going to be my co-host. So uh, <laughs> I drug Missy into it with me. Yeah. And during, it was during the pandemic, the, the height of the pandemic, we are still in it, but the height of it, that first winter, Suzanne sent me a real text that said, I'm really doing it. Are you still on board? And of course I was still on board. And it's, it's such a passion of mine to think about what else are we? Because you mm -hmm. do get so lost in that idea of motherhood. And I've always been fascinated by stories of women who make these big pivots um, and I love fiction stories of women who completely up in their lives, but I love the true stories of women who say, this is who I've been, and this is who I'm going to go forward and be now. And so it was a really exciting opportunity to get to talk to coaches and fascinating women who've just done great things in their lives. And uh, we've learned so much. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And that's the impetus for my podcast as well. I just kept meeting amazing women and I wanted to highlight their voices and share their wisdom. And you too, I've really wanted you on the podcast for a long time because not only are you very wise women, you 
have such this joie de vivre, this um, wonderful optimism and humor that shines through in everything that you do. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank it's you. Beautiful. I think humor is a coping mechanism for sure, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it does help that we we have a group of good friends that we talk to every day and we make each other laugh in the mm-hmm. midst of some really crappy shit. And the whole world has gone yes. through a lot. And yes. um, so whether you're personally going through stuff, just collectively as a people, we are going through so much all around the world. And it's nice to have people who you can break down and laugh with and cry with indeed just think it's a huge piece of life that we can't we can't let that humor slide yeah I agree with you and it elevates the quality of our lives if we're able to let go and humor is a great way of of finding the silver lining and letting go letting go yeah Yeah. so how did you two meet because you have this sister-like uh relationship (laughs) so what was it through your kids or how did how did you guys come together to be a team? No, we're professional roommates, basically. We, we met originally through our writers group friends here, but because we both needed a roommate, I think it was for the Irma Bombeck conference. I think it was for the like the 2014 maybe Irma Bombeck Writers something Workshop. Something like, like that. that. And we wow. both needed a roommate. And so I think we met once at like a little get together. And then the next time we saw each other, we were sharing a room for the next three days. <laughs> yeah. And it pretty much went on for the next few years. The only time we would really see each other or even talk to each other was when we would see each other in our hotel room at the Irma Bombeck conference yep. or the Mom 2 conference. Um and then, yeah, I think the most we've ever talked to each other, we have our little group thread that Missy was referring to with our friends, but the most time we've ever spent together, I think, has been on the podcast. So it's been really fun getting to know all of our amazing guests, but also getting to know Missy better um, through this process. I love it. You two are two peas in a pod and it you're... <laughs> Your, I don't know, your friendship is infectious, if that's even a way to describe it, because you also make your guests feel like they're a friend. And I love that about you. I love that. We automatically do feel like best friends with like, I think we go away from pretty much any interview from... (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Poor Julie Lithcott Ames. I mentioned her a lot on the podcast. We love her. And yeah, she probably wouldn't remember us from Adam, but we just think we're best friends with her. Right. <laughs> I love that. I think every one of our guests, we're like, thank God we know that woman now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. So I did mention some of the publications and productions that you've contributed to. And that title, I Just Want to Pee Alone. That is brilliant. That I mean, what mother has not thought that at least in their head? And can you tell us, Suzanne, a little bit about that bestselling series and how you got involved in that? Yes, actually, the the woman who's in charge of that's name is Jen Mann. And she was actually the very first guest on our mm-hmm. podcast. And she was the first guest of the year. I think we're going to have every January 1st, Jen, come on yeah. the podcast. And I'm trying to see. Oh, I guess nobody can see on this. <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. Uh, a series of her books behind. Um, so yeah, there's all kinds of ones like, uh, let's see. Oh. She has a new one out, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
She has a new one out. What's her new book called? Midlife Bites. I'm going to give a little plug for Jen Mann's Midlife Bites, which is really fun. And it's a little bit of a departure. She's usually a humor writer, and she goes there in this one. Yeah. It's very much about midlife and, you know, what the things that can happen with your marriage, with your kids, with your mm-hmm. body, with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has a ton of books. God, I think there's like seven She's of prolific. Them. Um I'll check them out. Thank you for that. I'm always looking, like you mentioned, for books about people in the chapter in which I dwell, because some for most of my life, I felt so alone with my life challenges. And I don't feel that way anymore because the baby boomers are coming of age and they're writing about it and talking about it. And we have market uh influence and so a lot more is coming out to help us and i'm grateful for that yeah and her original books that i just want to peel on it's kind of funny because now she's gone all the way to midlife bites because you know she's been writing these books well she writes them but they're anthologies so usually Mm -hmm, they have 30 different women mostly humor writers contributing stories around a particular topic so i just want to hang out with you was one where we all wrote about now that our kids are teenagers, we used to want to pee alone, but now we want to have them hang out with oh, them in the bathroom. Gosh. Um, but she had another one, like, I just want to be perfect. Things that have mm. happened in our parenting life where we kind of went overboard. <laughs> that was, Love that, was, that. That was when I used to mow the school lawn because I <laughs> that, was my sto- that was my story. That was when I was like, I took this volunteer gig a little too far. But... <laughs> I have a 13 and a 16 year old. And one of them knocked on the door just last week to ask me a question while I was going to the bathroom. Oh my gosh. I still would just like to pee alone. And it was not question. Like this can wait until I've washed my hands. Thank you. That is hilarious. And and you Mitzi, I love the name of the stage production that featured your work called Listen to Your Mother. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, that's another guest of ours. We can link to all of it in the show notes. We'll send you the information. Great. Another guest of ours, Anne Emig, started Listen to Your Mother as a little local stage production, and it blew up and went national. She had friends all over the country who said, I'd like to do that too. And so Suzanne and I were involved in the Austin show. And it's one of the most moving things I've ever been a part of. It's roughly what, like 12-ish women at a time, Suzanne? Yeah, Something like or that. men. And men, yes, yep. it is sometimes men and reading essays about motherhood. And, mm. and I still, I mean, I couldn't get through mine without crying, which sounds so narcissistic that I was crying at my own work. But every time I would reread it, I would remember the emotion of the mm-hmm. time when I had written it. And I had written it about um, just saying yes. Sometimes you just have to say yes, that my go to knee jerk with my kids is no, and with myself is no. Mm. And so I've had to learn to be a yes person. I even took an improv class at one point and learned a lot about that yes and. And Mm. so my essay was about the yeses of motherhood and just saying, okay, for today, we're just going to say yes to things we would normally not say yes to because one day you're going to grow up and you won't be here anymore. And that's the part that chokes me up. And at the time I wrote it, they were little. And now we really are. I feel like I'm perched at the top of this slide about to go really fast down (laughs) through the end of high school for my oldest. And I mean, you know, you've launched your kids. It's real fast. And then they're out there and they're doing what they're supposed to do, living their life, being these grownups. And then what? So, so true. Stage production is such, such a gift. You just hear stories from all different perspectives of 
people who've been mothered and who mm-hmm. are mothering and mm-hmm. who have just a take on motherhood and they're all different and all the stories are so varied. And so I, I love it. I love being part of it. And it's, Anne is no longer, she no longer owns it, but it still She's exists. She's a positive psychology coach now. Oh, yes. Which is wow. What we her about. Yeah. I yeah. think I'd like to interview her for my podcast oh, as she, well. Yeah. She's, she's wonderful. Well, I admire that you, you like me put, put it out there. There is no topic. I get the sense that is taboo to you. Mm-hmm. And that is refreshing because we were socialized, I believe, as children and young women to not be out there, to suck it up and keep moving forward. And that's not very healthy. No. Yeah. No, Uh, and I think that that used to be my previous work life, actually. I think that's one of the benefits of motherhood is that if you would have interviewed me 17 years ago, uh, that would not have been my way of going throughout the world. <laughs> yeah. And motherhood kind of set me straight. I mean, it, like I said, it scrambles everything up, but it sure really does. does help put a few priorities in order. Well, luckily, you two didn't have to go to rehab to <laughs> to oh. learn how to be authentic. But that was my journey, which yes. many of the listeners know about. But I'd like to talk with you guys about, you know what happens to many parents when they become empty nesters. Some parents, like, like me, do not handle it very well. So yeah. what are you doing to prepare yourself as your children prepare to launch? Oof. Should well, I take I that think... one since my launcher's closer? <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. Maybe you should. Oh, no. I mean, it really does. It's, it's hitting me. My daughter, you know, we've, we're doing the college search right now. But I think doing this podcast is the best thing that we've ever been able to do sure. to help prepare us for it. Um, but really, that was the whole point of when I started the idea of the book that I'm writing was this, you know, it doesn't start when your kid's looking at colleges or when your kid's going off to kindergarten. It starts the first day you decide to pause your career or make that big change. Because, I mean, your value, again, I'm going to compare it to the car. I originally talked about like driving off the car lot. You're a new car driving off the car lot and your value depreciates like as soon as you <laughs> Although that's not, that's not the same anymore. Now used cars right, are That has changed a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, so I I took about 15 years to realize that, and I just really want to help other moms. And hopefully, maybe the COVID and the stay-at-home thing has made it more acceptable, but society as a whole, governments, oh, the patriarchy does not <laughs> seem to value motherhood or childcare in any form, whether it's someone else being paid to care for your child. Um, and that can take a hit on you when you're already not feeling the value of a paycheck or Mm -hmm. the accolades that you get from work. So there's a lot, I think that we need to do from day one. Um, not necessarily just when your kids are, you know, you're facing the empty nest. Yes, indeed. And how about you, Missy? What are you doing to prepare yourself for what's looming on the horizon? One of the, my favorite things that I've learned from doing our podcast is that you don't have to wait to know exactly what it is you're going to do. You mm-hmm. just have to start moving forward. And so whatever stage you're in, rather whether it's starting at the beginning, like we've learned we probably should have done, 
or being where we are with these teenagers who are so close to launching, you can start moving forward and you can go talk to other women. You can reach out to former coworkers and get some feedback from them about what you were good at or what stood out about you. You can attend live readings and lectures. You can find a meetup group about things you're interested in and you can just start doing things and you don't, whatever thing that you start, that you go into maybe when your kid launches and you go back to work part-time or you go back to your old job full-time, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be it. Mm-hmm. You're just doing something and you're continuing to build and learn and grow and you're not, you're not stuck. I think that image of just being like, well, I raised the kids and now here I am and I don't have any skills. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Not only do you have your skills you had before, you can build new ones. So just start, start taking a step. That is great advice because I've seen so many women in particular, when they become empty nesters, really fall apart, become stagnant and think that they put all their eggs in the motherhood basket and now it's done. Yeah. And I think, well, I don't, my, I didn't keep up my skills and I can't go do what I did before. First Mm -hmm. of all, you can go do what you did before if that's what you want to do. But second of all, you can go build new skills. You can go do something great. If, and that's of coming from a place of privilege. And we talk about that a lot. Not everybody has the privilege to say, well, I can just take this job. And if I don't like it, I can get another job. And we realize that's not always the case. Um, but there are options, even if you are having to work 40 plus hours a week just to survive, there are still some things you can do in five, 10 minutes a day if you want to. Yeah, that is an important point that many and many people don't appreciate the privilege under which We, the three of us certainly operate. I know I'm educated and I took 15 years off from practicing law and I was privileged to have had that opportunity and I would do it again. But um, I also think because we come from privilege, sometimes we, okay, I'll speak for myself, have a warped feeling of entitlement. Like they should take me back at the law firm they should. Well, there are no shoulds in life. I no. needed to earn it. I needed to go go study for and take another bar exam. And I was afraid. I thought I had mommy brain and there was no way I was going to pass the bar. But guess what? I did. Mm-hmm. And that gave me the confidence to get a job again as a civil litigator. And when we are mothers, we have to be adept, typically speaking, at executive functioning, at scheduling, at many different transferable skills. Yep. And you guys have proven, like, even many ways, including starting a podcast, that you are professional women who can do a next chapter that is branches out using the skills you have continued to hone as at-home moms. And I find you both very inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're We're so happy to know you. You too. Well, Suzanne and I both have children who are gay and you live in the perhaps arguably the worst state in the United States for people in the LGBTQIA plus community. So how do you deal with that, Suzanne? How? You know, 
Many people do think that since I run an organization that serves LGBTQ students, that one of my kids is gay, but they are not. (laughs) I'm sorry that I I made that assumption. I made an assumption. You know what? It's a very natural one. And one that I actually had to warn my daughter when I very first started the group. I said, you know, everybody is going to assume that you're a lesbian now. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) You may have a hard time getting asked out on dates. And she's like, Mm. it's fine. It's more important than me getting a date. But no. Can't she It is. uh, Yeah. So I started a group called the Informed Parents of Austin. And why? Why um, did you do it? Because we had a group called the Concerned Parents of Austin. And I was feeling snarky. Uh, They they were uh, basically trying to shut down sex ed in our Mm -hmm. school district because they were trying they being the district was trying to make it make it inclusive of lgbtq kiddos families um so you know i just again talking about this place of privilege i don't mean that not having a kid who's lgbtq is a privilege i mean that i come from a place of safety i have the privilege of not having the hurt yeah, I mean, it hurts me, but it's not, you know, on such a personal level. So I just felt this need to use that privilege to kind of take one for the team, to go speak up at the board meetings and or speak up in in front of the, gosh, at the state capitol in places where maybe parents don't feel like it was safe to put a target on their kids by speaking up or you know, it's a super dangerous place for kids to go and speak up. I've been in just school board meetings where kids go and try to tell their stories and grown ass adults will be like, you know, say that they're disgusting or that their parents are abusing them to their faces. Mm. Um, So there are those who feel the call to do that. And I just admire them so much, but I do not feel like just because you were LGBTQ, that it means that you are an activist. You know, it's just, mm, right. they sh- I feel like for people who want to do that, that's a great, for those who just want to live their damn lives, um, those of us who have that privilege of safety, um, I think we owe it to communities to speak up and not speak up um, for them, but to be their megaphone. Beautiful. My main thing was I want I didn't want to be this straight person going out there just giving my point of view. Like some of the instances will actually take scripts from people who do not feel safe and mm. I'll just literally be the voice box to read that. Um and really try to be the voice of the community. But yeah, the informed parents of Austin, it started as, you know, just a bunch of straight suburban moms with just trying to figure out what they could do. Everybody wanted to do something, but didn't know what to do. And now it's become this whole community of, uh, it's not even just Austin anymore. There's a lot of other school districts now that are reaching out, asking how they can do the same thing. Because for this year, gosh, I started the group five years ago. This year will be the first time that Austin ISD is teaching comprehensive, medically accurate lgbtq inclusive sex ed for grades k through 12 and wow thrilled so wow thank you for that important work and help i i just am in awe of you in doing that because i wonder have you or your family suffered any blowback from this 
from putting yourself on the line here? You know, in Texas, I guess anywhere in the world, it's not necessarily safe, but Texas is particularly interesting. I mean, they the group knows who I am. I will occasionally get texts like, oh, turn on this radio station. And, you know, they will be talking about me by name in kind of dangerous, inflammatory ways. So that's scary. I don't share my kids' names. I don't share my kids' pictures. I'm the worst mommy blogger in the world because <laughs> I never <laughs> share my kids' pictures. Um, I've had people come to my door to pray for me. Um, mm. So... But again, I do feel like even though there is a, a kind of an icky feeling to that, it's only a fraction of what people, I'm sure, feel like on a day-to-day -day basis, just trying to go about their lives in some areas of Texas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it is truly my honor to take mm. any kind of redirected anger um, my way. Um, Thank you for that. I I really admire that. And I also admire that Missy is a foster child advocate. Yes. How did that begin in your life? Um, it began a long time ago. It was the National CASA is who I'm involved with. The court, It's court-appointed special advocate, and CASA mm -hmm. is the national organization. Um, I was in a sorority in college, and that was our national um, charity partner. And so I've known about them forever, have always been interested. And then um, as an adult, my brother and his wife became foster parents. Mm. And I learned a lot about the holes in the system. There are mm. so many holes in the system. And one of the big places is many of these children do not have the ability to speak for themselves. Uh, and they don't also have anyone who's going to listen to them, sadly enough. And so through my brother and sister-in-law's experience as foster parents, it really became apparent to me that it was time to pursue that CASA thing that I had always thought about doing and never thought mm -hmm. I was ready. I mm -hmm. never thought I had enough experience. I never thought I had enough time. And it finally just became clear that there was no, never going to be the right time. So yeah. I got trained, gosh, I guess four years ago now. Um, and I've had several cases at this point and it never gets easier, but it yeah. always always is uplifting to know that I've helped a child who couldn't speak for themselves, whether they physically cannot speak or just don't have somebody walking alongside them to help them through this process because the system is confusing and broken and complicated. Mm. Wow. Wow. Thank you for that really important work that you do as well. And it's, it's also an example of so many of us look with sadness at what's going on in our world, but you two actually do something about it. And for that, you have my admiration. Thank you for what you Thank do. You. I was a foster mom for babies awaiting adoption, and I found it so emotional that, mm. that I, I had to stop. Like, it's how, do, how do you deal, Missy, when you see something and you can't, you're powerless really, even after advocating. Oh, the, sure. What do you do with that? I wish I had a really good answer. Um, it varies and I've gotten advice, to, a lot of different advice. Mm -hmm. um, the best advice I got though, is to know you cannot fix everything. You cannot fix everyone. Mm -hmm. You do what you can with what you have in front of you. And um, also take breaks. Mm. You know, when a case is hard and it finishes, take a break. Or when 
a hearing is emotional and often they are, mm-hmm. um, take a break that day, go do something fun, go check out for a little while and then get back to the work the next day. Um, I think yes. that's important in any advocacy work, yes. but you, it, the picture looks so huge in front of you and it can get so overwhelming that stepping away at times and just centering yourself before you go back is really helpful. That's such great advice. And I was not in a place where I practice self-care on a regular basis. And I now give seminars on self-care listeners. (laughs) If any of you need a speaker on how to practice self-care and the many modalities, including spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, healthcare, or self-care, please hit me up. So I could talk to you guys for forever, but you are two busy women. And even, I mean, we've already had to reschedule because of my schedule. And I know that you guys do a lot in your communities as evidenced by our conversation. But I would like to ask you each one question before we go, which I ask all of our guests. And that is, what do you do to become your best version? You go first, Suzanne. Oh, I bet I bet we're gonna have a similar answer. We'll see. I bet we do too. Uh, no, and I would not have known this before we started doing the podcast, but we've heard this over and over, and I've read this over and over. Is but understanding my core values and doing the work of figuring out what they are and using those to help set boundaries and make decisions and just plan the course for what that next thing is that I want to do, whether it's for my whole life or just for the next day. Um, So yeah, core values is just something we talk about over and over. And it's hard work, even though, I mean, you figure core values are something that should just be super obvious and just on the tip of your tongue, but it's, it's, it's an exercise and it's work to figure out. So yes, that's it. Love that. That took me a very long time to appreciate. And I, I'm thankful for the reminder, and I will spend some time reflecting on core values and ensuring that what I'm currently doing is in alignment. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Mitzi? Well, I love that Suzanne's is core values, and I did toy with <laughs> saying something along those lines because that has been huge for us. Um, my simple answer is that I sleep, mm. and I make sure that I sleep. But the longer version of that is that I can't take care of myself if I don't have rest. And if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't do the work that really matters to me and that I really care about, whether that's for my family or for my volunteer roles or even figuring out what my next step of my career is going to be. Um, I can't do that if I don't take a little time for me and I'm big on sleep. Suzanne knows it. (laughs) It's important. Get my eight hours. It's so important. And there are, are is scientific uh, research to back that up, that sleep is integral to good health. And I appreciate that you have reminded us about the importance of it, because it's easy to fall into the trap of, I can't sleep, I have too much to do. Yeah, I had to unpack a lot of guilt over mm. rest, a whole mm. bunch of guilt. That if you, if you're to get my eight hours, if I needed to sleep until 8 a.m. to get that, I felt really guilty because I felt like I should be up at 6 a.m. Or if I was going to bed when I had still had things to do, I felt really guilty. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a voice in the back of my head always going, sleep equals laziness. And that is not the case. 
that socialization, which has been mm -hmm. to our detriment. And I recently posted on my at 50 after 50 Instagram and Facebook page, the following quote, which is, is really, really impactful for me right now, that maybe our job isn't becoming, but rather our job is unbecoming mm -hmm. all the things we were told we were supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So I want <laughs> I to that. thank you both. And I really want to reiterate, go to moms and dot, dot, dot podcast, subscribe, review, listen. It is fabulous. Even if you're not a mom, they have so much wisdom, <laughs> these two women and learn more about the significant and important work that they do at mom and podcast.com. Thank you, Missy and Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you.